Welcome to the Offshore Accountant Podcast. I'm Nick Sinclair and this is the go-to podcast if you're an accountant and looking to set up and build a high-performing offshore team for your accounting firm. Here you can learn how to complement your local efforts, grow capacity and deliver more to clients than ever before. Hear from experts who have done it already. Let's go. I'm Brad Druitt from McCarthy Sakeld, and you're listening to the Outsourced Accountant Podcast. So Brad, tell us about your business story and the history of the business. Yep. Uh, I started with McCarthy Sakeld while I was at uni. Um, I used to work at a local club and the receptionist at the time, who was a regular patron, was just chatting to me and um, she said I should put forward uh, my resume. Um, my resume was put forward and you know I got the job and uh, after about five years of working up the ranks. Um, I was offered a piece of the puzzle, so I became a, a partner in the business. Um, and I've been a, a part owner now for, for eight years. So I've only ever worked with one firm. And um, and our firm, it's it's been a, it's been around for a long time. Um, we've got um, about, we've been in, in, you know, we've been in operation for about 50 years and, um, and it, we've been here in Parramatta for 22 years. So a long, long time, a lot of long-term clients, as well as new ones. Um, and we have historically sort of um, done work in in many different areas, you know, like your, your normal sort of tax and compliance, audit, HR, and sort of payroll processing. But more recently, since we've started the off, our offshoring um, journey, um, we've done, you know, virtual CFOing and um, you sort of more more down the sort of bookkeeping um, line of work. So it's, it's, it's ever-changing. Excellent. So a lot of history in the business. So do you want to just give us a bit of an overview of, I suppose, the team size, both locally um, here in Australia, plus with your, I suppose, how many team members you have offshore? Yep, yep. We've got, um, we've got 12 onshore staff and two of those are admin staff. Uh, and then we've got four offshore staff. So... Um, that's that's a team that they're all different sort of roles um, and expertise, but um, yeah, most of our staff members have been with us for a long time, and we've sort of thankfully Touchwood uh, had long-term retention of staff, and um, yeah, like it's um, and we've never had an offshore staff member leave us uh, yet, so it's been really good. Obviously doing something right, which is one of the reasons why obviously we're interviewing today. So the story of setting up your offshore team, what were the motivations behind you starting the process of building a global team? Oh, well, my motivation was uh, originally from, I keep getting really, really frustrated because um, I'd get clients coming to us and they'd say, look, oh, I've had my bookkeeper do all the work and then we'd go and review it and things would just be everywhere. It'd be in shambles, you know? Um, and a lot of the time it was just that sort of traditional compliance work. And um, so it put a lot of pressure on us um, unfairly because we would then say, well, look, it's, it's a mess. We're going to charge you a lot of money to fix it all up. And um, then there would sort of be that, you know, there was always a pressure there, you know? Um, so it, it basically went from um, from that and because we couldn't offer the, the, the bookkeeping side of things at a reasonable price here in Australia, um, I, I started searching for, for another solution because 
I didn't really want to refer the bookkeeping on to someone else who I didn't know or wasn't confident in their um, in, in their work. So um, what came of it is that we went offshore and then that meant that I could control the quality of, of, of the data that's being inputted and, and train the staff to do it as I would like. Um, but then on the flip side, it also meant that the client had cleaner data. Um, they could use it to analyze and plan for their businesses. Um, and it really just took the headaches away at the end of the year when we'd come to do the financials. Um, and we don't have all the you know massive adjustments that would, would uh, go through in the past. So um, everyone in the end wins, um, both the client and us. So that's pretty much where it started from. And um, we, we started that about, I think it was three years ago now. So um, put our first staff member on and then after about six months, they were just getting smashed. They had so much work on. Um, we put another one on and then we've just progressed from there. Excellent. I love that story. So how did you go about getting set up? What was the process and, and how long did it take you to, I suppose, start building the team? Um, well, our, it sort of came about because our IT provider, um, they had an offshore team and you know, they'd been doing it for a long time and um, we have a good relationship with them and um, they, you know, I, I asked them about it. I said, oh, who should we, um, who should we speak to? How do we do it? And, um, and went from there. So it gave us some, com- it gave us some comfort that we're doing the right thing. Um, and, and pretty much like the process has been streamlined because, you know, when you, when you come on board, there's, a, there's all, the, all the processes that you go through. There's the HR side of things where um, you vet all the, all the interviews um, and then you make your decisions based on, on who you meet through the Skype interview. So um, we do have two, um, two partners. We have the B, uh, two BPOs. We have Tara, yourself, and another BPO. Um, and, yeah, and that's how it pretty much happened. And, and I, I've met you through... Um, one of the, I think it was ATSA back in the day when that was still running. And um, I was very impressed by your presentation there. So um, came out a chat to you and you're very, um, you know, forthcoming and you, you had spent some time with me. So that was, that was really appreciable, uh, appreciative uh, that. And um, it just went from there. So that's, that's the process from my side, I think. Um, yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty simple to be honest. Um, a lot easier than I thought. But the, the main thing is you just got um, to take the plunge. That's the hardest part. I 100% agree. So one of the challenges that we find um, new clients have is around what work they get their offshore team to start doing. What would be your advice around the type of work that you'd get or you'd recommend someone start with? Um, so if you think back to when you started this journey, what type of work were you getting your team to do then versus what they may have progressed to over the, over the journey? Um, well, because it was my first time, there was no real, um, at first, it wasn't like a, you know, the person was just doing bookkeeping or just tax returns or anything like that. But the first, um, the first offshore staff member, I pretty much got them to do anything I wanted. So they were, they were like my, I, I called them my PA, but they were like my personal accountant um, because they were, I would say, can you, you know, enter this client data in or can you do the bank rec here or can you put these invoices in for the, for the client or process is payroll. So really, um, they're no different to your onshore staff. Um, uh, 
And so if you invest the time and, and you train them, uh, it's, it's the same as being here in Australia. So, um, the, the, yeah, the Filipinos are lovely people to work with. Uh, they're very friendly. They've got big hearts. And um, they're always willing to, to work really hard for you and, um, and, and never give up. So, um, but at the moment, they're predominantly really running at my, for, for me personally, they're, they're, they're running um, a lot of my virtual CFO um, service that I run. So we, we, we do a lot of, um, uh, you know, we either take over the whole accounting department with, with offshore staff and we just run it that way. Um, or we just do bits and pieces as required. So um, there's nothing really that um, I can't see that they can't do that an Australian staff member uh, can do. Excellent. So what advice would you give someone about setting up, the, setting up a team about training? What did you do that worked? And what did you learn, I suppose, along the journey so far? Um, the best, probably the best advice is that you have to invest your time uh, with your staff, because if you don't invest your time, they, 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 they're not going to work out, um, just like any staff member here in Australia, really. Um, and so it's, it's, it's just about, you know, having to give up a bit of time, but in the future, that will mean that you will have more time for yourself. Um, it will, you know, without, yeah, you've, there's obviously going to be efficiencies there um, and cost savings, um, but that's ultimately not the reason you do it. And um, yeah, for us, it's it's really paid off. It's just given us the the capacity to actually to do more for our clients. Um, the you know the, the thing that people forget is that they're not going to just bolt on to your team and and just automatically fix all your problems. So um, that's probably I think the biggest thing is that I think people would just go, okay, I'll get one. Uh, you know, it's not working out and just, you know, say, oh, it's still too hard. So, um, and the other big thing is that you need to make sure um, you define their role, um, set out really, really clear processes um, and also get them to, um, to document them, uh, whether that's, you know, actually writing them out or, or doing, using, you know, some technology like, say, Loom to video it and actually step that out. Um, and then just, you know, always supporting their growth and, um, and being there for them. So um, basically communication is key in, um, in that case as well. You know, I 100% agree with that. So that leads sort of on to my next question. What are the top three tips for managing your offshore team? You just mentioned communication being key. What are some yeah. other tips that you could give us? Um, well, you've, the, probably the best one is that you, you need to use the technology that's at your fingertips. So um, a lot of tasks in in that I use my offshore staff for are repeating. So, um, and I don't want to have to remind them to do those as well. So um, what I use is I use Trello um, and I use repeating tasks within Trello so that um, the staff, uh, those, those tasks are just constantly repeated. So whether it's fortnightly payroll, it will just remind them on the day or it's, you know, the monthly BAS, a monthly BAS or IAS or, um, or whether it's, you know, some other tasks they have to do, like sending, you know, data statements out and things like that. So um, Trello has been a really a, a big thing for me because you can just flick on emails and it goes into there. Um, or just when you have those light bulb moments when you're having a shower in the morning and you quickly just get to your phone and 
put it into Trello and it's it's there and you've you've got it sorted and your team's looking after it. So um, that's use your technology, use that as well as you know things like Zoom or you know, Microsoft Teams and communicating and collaborating. Um, the other tips are yeah, most definitely set up um, standard operating procedures. Filipinos love process and things being clear. It's um, uh, there's been many a times that um, staff have just gone off track if you if you're just too um, you're not well well defined in in what you say and um, it's 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 very paramount and because the in Australia I think like all for our firm anyway in the past our procedures have all been in our head so um, it's always great to have them documented so that if someone else does uh, start um, you've got your you know it's a bit of an insurance policy or a hedge um, and my other tip is just what I've said before is just invest the time in training and developing those staff um, because you really reap the rewards once they start kicking those goals um, which you know our firm's seen after about you know couple of months. And I agree with, with all of those points that you raised. How do you measure success of your offshore team? Do you use certain KPIs to do that or is there a way that you measure success? Um, uh, yes and no. We don't, we don't actually have um, hard and fast KPIs, you know. Um, it's, it, you know, it's, it's more, I feel success is my clients having success as well. Um, so if they're, if they're kicking goals, they're happy with my staff. They're saying, you know, staff member A is, is, is the best, you know, we love them. You know, they're, they're such good. We couldn't live without them. That sort of stuff is, it means that, you know, my team's successful. Um, I love hearing the, the feedback that I get, uh, from clients. It's, it's amazing. Like, um, I would never have thought that people would embrace them as they have. So it's, it's been really good. Um, we do use the traditional methods uh, of, of measuring the success, you know, like the timesheets and, and things like that, but they're, they're only there as a guide really. Um, but uh, funny story, um, my, one of my staff members actually made their own KPI and their KPI was MVP, which is make Brad proud. So, they came up with that, and um, I like to I like to I like to quote it every now and again, you know. Um, but it was just nice that that's what they want to do. They want to make you happy, and um, and and also make and, and be proud of what they've achieved as well. I think that's one of the the real key benefits of the Philippines culture is that it is one of wanting to please, and I think that that has had a real positive effect on our clients um, in Australia, New Zealand, and globally. Um, because I think a lot of the industry, a lot of time, can forget who we serve, which is our clients. We're in business to serve our clients. And I think that that Filipino culture really rubs off in a positive way um, with, our, with our clients and their teams to, I suppose, remind people of that. Um, I totally agree. To yeah, I, I agree. Like, you know, that's, that's what I get so much positive feedback about is that they're all, the staff are always there for the clients. Um, they're always happy. They're always, nothing's ever an issue, which is great. Yeah, no, it is a great culture. So if you had a word or a phrase to describe the value your offshore teams provide, what would it be? Um, the word probably would be indispensable. Um, uh, you know, they support me in a way that I you know, couldn't really live without them. Um, you know, 
I've, I've relied, they've relied, I've relied on them through thick and thin. So, um, for example, I had a, a staff member um, that had some heart issues, um, and they went and saw the, the local doctor. The doctor said, you know, you should you should go home um, and go see go to the hospital or or go see a doctor. The staff member returned to work and continued to want to work because they didn't want to let us down. Like, you know, they're putting their own health uh, at risk to, to serve you and, and make sure they get the tasks done. So that sort of um, loyalty is, 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 is just is, is unbelievable. So, you know, compared to here in Australia, you hear some horrible stories where, you know, staff um, break a fingernail and they pull a sickie, you know. So um, that's how I would describe my team, just indispensable. I couldn't live without them. It is an amazing culture. So I'm going to pivot on to a, a, a question around people strategy. Do you Does your business have a people strategy mapped out? And if it does or it doesn't, what do you see the long-term ratio of your local team versus offshore team being? Um, I don't actually have a people strategy mapped out at the moment. It is on my, um, my, my to-do list and I want to implement one in the next sort of 12 months as we sort of you know, continuing to grow the business. Um, our current ratio is sort of 11 onshore to four offshore. So I think one in the future, the way the industry is going, I think in the future, I would like to see it be nearly one-to-one because I think um, in this day and age, Everyone wants things now. We're in a sort of instantaneous uh, society where, you know, you can just click a button on your phone. You've, you, you know everything. So I think to keep up with client demand, I think you nearly need one-to-one. And it also just helps with efficiencies and allows you both your, your, allows your onshore staff to develop their, um, their thinking and their skills without feeling that budget pressure that historically they've always felt. You know what I mean? Like, um, if if the price of of, la- of labour or, or the hourly rates are you know a third or a quarter of what they are here in Australia, they shouldn't be doing the processing or all the all the work that you'd say um, isn't is below them. You know they they should be doing the, the thinking stuff, the, the the work that really adds value to our clients. Um, so that's where I see it going, um, and. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I'm not too sure how we get there, but it's something that I'm sort of, you know, look look forward to, to getting to in the next sort of 24, 48 months. It's something that we see real success where firms are really, I suppose, embedded in implementing it. They get to that one to one stage is really where I say is an you know a good state. If you're maximising it to an ideal state, we've seen some um, businesses get up to two to three offshore to one locally but it is a journey it's not something that happens in year one or year two it can take you know for some of our clients that have been with us for seven years they're only getting up to that stage now um, but it is that I, journey yeah i think the other hard bit is that in with that um the you know one to one or one to three the people who um are managing their staff need to be able to handle that because that's the, the hardest bit is managing staff um so some some staff even myself, I find it sometimes hard to delegate work down, and that's a that's a that's a key thing you need to do when you've got offshore staff is is use them 
um, as you would here um, with the onshore staff. So um, I think it's just you know, embracing embracing the you know, offshoring and, um, and and making sure that the rest of your staff are embracing it too and getting to know the team. It's, it's about they're, they're your team. They're not just people in the background um, in some you know, sweatshop that are just working away. They're part of the team and um, and they're valuable, a valuable asset to the business. Yeah, I think that's a key point you raised around um, the managing part because one of the biggest um, failures that I've seen over the years of doing this is where an accounting firm will have the most technical person managing the Philippines team when it should be the person that's best at managing people. You can bring the technical people in to do the training where needed. So it is definitely a skill set that um, we're probably not used to. If you were to say to a, you know, an intermediate accountant eight years ago, look, we're going to give you a team of people to go and do the work, they would have been shocked because that would have been what they would have had to have done in the past. So it is that transition. It's those soft skills that we need to help develop with our local team to give them the skills and tools to be able to then drive and manage a, a remote team. Um, exactly. Especially with all the, with all the work going through the flowing through the business, it's 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 it is very hard to to manage. Um, you know the people as well as the work, but thankfully we've got technology and the right people there to do that these days. Yeah. So the year ahead, what is your plan for your offshore team? How do you plan to keep growing their capability, their performance, and ultimately the team? Um, look, I haven't really mapped it out as such, but basically, you know, my mindset is that each day you should always try and better yourself. So, um, you know, for them, it's always about improving efficiencies. They're doing a lot of high volume transactions. So, um, you know, just, you know, even if you can say five minutes a day, it all adds up over a year, you know, it's a couple of days. So I'll, my classic saying is, you know, if you can just save yourself five minutes a day, they'll give you a couple of days extra a year that you've got up your sleeve. So, you know, if you can, if you can come to me with a solution, make sure you put your hand up and say, Brad, I've, I know a better way than we're currently doing because I think the Filipino culture sometimes are a bit scared to speak up to their, their boss um, and a, a little bit submissive and just say, yes, sir, um, and, and just do what they have to do. Um, but just, yeah, um, really just, you know, developing their skill set and improving on efficiencies. I think that's, that's, that's what my main goals are for my, my offshore team. And, and really for them just to, you know, be better people. You know, I love that one. And I always say that if you make yourself 1% better every day, that's 352% better in a year, which it adds up quick. Um, it it just, does. So how has offshoring benefited your clients? You mentioned a little bit earlier that it, uh, it's had a positive impact, but what's the, I suppose, real impact been to your clients? Um, well, it's... It's, it's been multiple. So I think from um, the, the one that's most recent is with um, with COVID-19 happening um, and the working from home situation and whatnot, I think offshoring has actually prepared us better for it because our systems, uh, our IT systems and our communicate, communication methods um, were already set up so that we could, you know, work remotely. So... Um, moving into a working from home environment actually wasn't very hard for our business. We already had everything, you know, all, all the 
IT and the hardware there to do it um, and the software. It was just a matter of getting used to those different those different ways. So um, I think that was what that's one thing that um, that and then obviously you know we could still serve our clients in in that in the sort of tough those tough times um, and just having the capacity um, uh, you know so in the past you know everyone always wants everything now and they say oh Brad can you just do this and can you just do that um, not knowing how much time it does take so um, that's the hardest part I think is just making sure that um, you've got the capacity to serve your clients because without clients what have you got so um, it's definitely given us a better service offering um, turnaround times and um, I think the other part is just what I sort of touched on before was that um, I couldn't actually provide a service to my smaller smaller business clients um, so you know being the youngest partner in the firm um, I, I know a lot of young people who are just setting up their business or just starting out so um, they can't afford to pay you know big sums of accounting fees and um, so by having um, offshore staff I can I can offer them you know, a fixed a fixed price model of some sort. We don't do a lot of them, but um, you know, like a couple of hundred bucks, and then we can make sure that their data is clean. Um, it's it's good data, and the clients being serviced, and um, they they're actually dealing directly with our Filipino staff members as well. So it's not like they have to come always via me, uh, which is good. It takes the pressure off me. Um, and look, I've even also um, the other benefit that. I've, you know, for clients is that I've actually said to clients, um, look, you should consider getting some offshore staff. Um, and I've told them about my journey and um, it's actually for one client, it's revolutionized their business. You know, like it's really changed um, what they do and it saved them a heap of money because, you know, they had people um, inputting data and um, it was being done here in Australia and US and, um, since getting a, a team in the Philippines, it's yeah the the quality of data is better and it's it's a lot cheaper. So um, there's many benefits to, to to clients, I think. And I agree. I think there's plenty of um, and we've seen plenty of our clients starting to have almost an offshore advisory component of their business advisory um, area of the business. Where if it's good for you, then it's also good for your clients. And how can you help them and guide them because you've already been on this journey? So. Um, yeah, look, I've even had other accounts too. So a lot of accounts are still not offshoring and they'll say to me, oh, you've got a team in the Philippines. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, we do. And just sort of run them through it. So it's, um, you know, if the big firms are doing it, um, why shouldn't we, you know? It's just what you have to do to be competitive these days, I think. Yeah, no, I agree. So has offshoring contributed to giving you any more work-life balance or more time back personally? Um. Not yet, not yet. It's um, ideally it would, um, but it hasn't because of the time I've invested, and um, I think also I'm a perfectionist as well, so I put that proviso on it. Um, and with the offshoring uh, journey, um, because it has actually made, it, I've I've got more clients as a result of it. I've actually been busier um, because you know, for any of the people out there who listening and, and don't understand but when, when you actually get a new client a lot of the time it's like buying a a, a a house you need to renovate like you have to go through thoroughly and make it better and, and fix it all up so 
Um, and that's why generally people leave um, their existing accountants. And so it's sort of, I haven't actually got that work-life balance back yet. Um, but, you know, three years in, um, I'm definitely um, on the journey to be. And um, my 2020 goal is actually to get an EA um, offshore. And hopefully that can sort of just um, give me some more efficiencies in my own personal um, work life and, um, and get my uh, life back to some normality. Excellent. So how has offshoring had an effect on the profitability of the firm? Um, look, I don't look at it just from a, a profit perspective um, because the, the, the profit just flows from your service offering really. So um, as long as your staff are working efficiently, um, you, you'll make profit. So yes, we have made more profit, but um, you also have to invest the time too. So it depends on how you look at it. Um, you know, I don't say that it's just like, you know, because we'll write time off, you know, from a WIP perspective, but I'm, I look at it sort of, um, I think Ed Chan sort of talks about it a bit in his, in his when he talks, um, it's about investing in your balance sheet, not just um, looking at the P&L. So um, it's, it's definitely worthwhile. And I 100% agree. So what is the biggest myth or objection you've heard about having an offshore team and is it true? Uh, there's, always a, there's always a couple there, but um, I think the, the biggest myth that most people think is that it's just cheap labour and they're stealing Australian jobs. Um, and that is just absolute garbage because um, it's actually supporting our staff here in Australia um, in providing better service to their clients, um, and and I, and it's it's just totally false. You know, um, it is cheaper, yes, but it, we couldn't employ people here in Australia to do the same thing. So I don't see that as an issue. Um, and then the other big thing is also everyone talks about security, um, and to be honest, that's just nonsense because um, I think. Um, security in the Philippines because it's um, because of the the sort of myth behind it that it's you know unsecure or they're going to steal your data. Um, it's actually higher than I have here in my own office. So um, I'm, I'm I, I tell people that they're, they're dreaming and um, they should be more worried about their their Australian suppliers and, and people like that. You know, considering what's happened in the media lately with Russian hackers, you know, stealing data from big companies here in Australia. Um, that that's just nonsense. So um, definitely, um, I've had no issues with with um, with having an offshore, offshore offshore team at all. Yeah, and no, I agree with all of those. There's a few big ones you raised there, and I 100 agree with you. Well, the other big one, it's even a concern that I used to worry about myself was, um, you know, their language, you know, and whether it was, you know, whether people would sort of think it oh, no, I don't want to deal with them because, you know, they're offshore or whatever. Um, and the, to be honest, some of the, some of their staff, their their language is actually better than my onshore staff. So um, it's it's not at all. And, and their English is actually amazingly really good. So um, not an issue at all. And, and clients have no, no, no problems understanding them. Yeah, I agree. I, when I had my um, accounting firm in Australia, I had one Australian and eight other 
people from pretty much eight different countries. And, and I always use that as a joke that our Philippines team were better communicators than our local team were. That's that's pretty much like our firm. We have people from all, all countries uh, around the world in, in our onshore team, and um, yeah, it's it yeah it's it's exactly the same as your scenario. Yeah. So if any of our listeners wanted to get in contact with you, what would be the best way for them to reach out to you? Um, look, I'm not a overly social person um, on Twitter or or any of those sort of things, but LinkedIn, I'm, I'm on there, and um, that's probably the best way to get me on LinkedIn or or, a, or an email. Um, so those are two mediums to, to get me on. Excellent. We'll put those details in the show notes. So, Brad, thank you so much for all the value that you've been able to contribute today. There's lots and lots of lessons that I've written down on my notepad and that I'll um, certainly be using in the future. So thank you for sharing your advice with everyone today. No problems, Nick. It's been a, a pleasure to be on, on, on your show. Thank you. To follow our podcast and get insights from leading accountants, simply visit theoutsourcedaccountant.com or visit iTunes or SourCloud and head to the Offshore Accountant Podcast. To connect with me personally, just look for my Twitter handle at Nick Q Sinclair or find me on LinkedIn at Nick Sinclair. Thanks and have a great day.